We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to CFB Nation, presented by Twisted T. So, Ryan, you know, the Notre Dame-Ohio State game is a big game, obviously, for Notre Dame fans, for Ohio State fans, but also for all of college football. This is a top-10 battle that is going to have college football playoff implications. One team is going to have a big check on their resume, right? Yep. Big feather in their cap. The other team enters into a You've not only got to win out, you're in single elimination mode if you want to play for a championship. You can't lose again. And in a lot of these games, you've not only got to win, but you've got to you've got to win with some style points, right? So it's a huge game, but it's not the only big game of the weekend. And we're going to go over some of these big games. We're just going to kind of, you know, just talk about what we see and, and what what's what's at stake and, and kind of how we see these games playing out. We might make a prediction or two. We'll see about that. Uh, Ryan, we're just going to kind of go by time. We're going to start with the noon games. To me, uh, there's there's one huge, huge noon game that's going to have major, major ramifications on this. Could could end up having major ramifications. Well, it, it will, one way or the other. That's number four, Florida State at mm-hmm. Clemson. This is yeah. a huge game, Ryan, because it's twofold. It's Florida State's looking for another resume builder for their own race to the playoff, right? They haven't been to the college football playoffs since year one in 2014. They made it once. They got blown out by Oregon, and they have not been back since. They're trying to have that we're back moment. And they had an from a national stage when they beat LSU, Ryan, but right now Clemson is still the powerhouse in the ACC until somebody knocks them off. And just losing one game to Duke doesn't do that. It, it's the success of blows, and Florida State is going to kind of knock them off their perch. For Before Clemson could become the power in the ACC, they had to knock off Clemson, Florida State. Now Florida State's looking to return the favor. Huge, huge game. If Clemson wins, okay, they had a bad first game, but they're back, and now the ACC is up for grabs. Uh, this is going to be a huge, huge matchup, Ryan. And, and is this the, the beginning of the end for Clemson? Did that already start, and is this the final – you know, death blow to the Clemson program. There's there's a lot of big picture stuff at stake in this game, Ryan. I, I think that this is going to symbolize that this is a very chaotic year of college football. Is what I, I think that there's a lot more parity than there has been because of the quarterback play across the landscape. 
I think that there are just some teams uh, that have typically been great that have still some major question marks, including Clemson as, as one of those teams. But I think that this is one where I remember after Florida State had beaten LSU the first week, everyone in this chat and on Twitter and on the message board was like, wow, Clemson stinks. Florida State's fantastic. I'm just like, guys, it's the first week. Like, Let's, let's right. settle down a little bit. I get it. I'm actually going to take Clemson in the upset for this one. I get, you know, we'll call it an upset here, even though it's at home. 27-24, because I just think that there was a little bit of overreaction. And we have kind of just skated past it like, Florida State looked pretty bad last week against Boston College, yeah. man. Like, they have been great right. since that victory. I mean, they've showed that they have some warts that they yeah. still need to get through. And I think Clemson matches up in a couple key areas. I think that Clemson defense versus the Florida State offense. I think that Clemson has at least one outside corner in Nate Wiggins that has a chance to at least, you know, make – make guys like Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson work for their yardage, right? Like it's not going to be an easy game. And then I think the game ultimately comes down to defensively for Clemson, Barrett Carter and some of the more athletic linebackers working against Trey Benson and Jordan Travis in space. If they're able to just kind of keep things in front of them, not let create a bunch of explosive plays. I think Clemson could eke out with a close hard fought victory and they could do enough offensively. So I don't think necessarily this is an indicator that Clemson is back. I don't think this is even saying that, you know, that Florida State's a farce. Like, I don't think that either one of those things are true here. I think that this is the 2023 season is just going to be a chaotic year in college football, man. I think some conferences are just going to kind of eat each other up a little bit. I think that Clemson gets, you know, gets on a better track against Florida State and is able to pull the upset. If they don't, they're in trouble. I mean, they're in a lot of trouble. And for Florida State, Ryan, you talk about what they've done. To me, Florida State for a game and a half looked phenomenal second half against LSU and Southern Miss is a quality football team for that level. And they obliterated them, but they look like crap in the first half against LSU outside of their, what first drive is yeah. dumb turnovers, dumb mistakes, sloppy football penalties. And they look terrible last week. And that's called it's September. I mean, that's, that's really what it boils down to. That's why people don't need to make overreactions. I've pointed this out this season. I pointed it out after week one, you know, Ohio State's over and because they barely beat it, because they, they only beat India by 20. It's like, guys, I remember the last time cha- they won a championship. They lost by two touchdowns at home to Virginia Tech, who stunk, right? Like the uh, Clemson's first championship team, they lost in November to Pitt at home. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's 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 not one game, but if Clemson loses to Duke, plays really bad the next week against you, like Charleston Southern early on, and then comes out and gets beat at home by Florida State, it is a changing of the guard moment. It, it is. Because more, not only is it changing the guard on the field, but it's going to really hurt Clemson on the recruiting trail. Really hurt them on the recruiting trail. But a win, to me, is sort of a, hey, we're not dead yet moment from Clemson. that could get. And, and now, uh, you know, his whole Roy stuff comes back because now it's like they are being overlooked and disrespected. Now, and, and that's that to me is when Dabo's most dangerous. When his team is being disres- like genuinely disrespected and counted out, that's when that's when to me Dabo's is most dangerous. Uh, right. So it's going to be a very, very, very interesting game this weekend. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is going to be one of the best weekends of the college football season. Ohio State plays at Notre Dame, Florida State at Clemson, Colorado at Oregon, UCLA at Utah, Ole Miss at Alabama, and Iowa at Penn State are just some of the big-time games this weekend. And if you're still looking for last-minute tickets to any of these huge games, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code CFBNATION for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. And again, create an account and redeem code CFBNATION for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. A couple other big games, Ryan. The 3.30 time slot is Jam packed with great games this week. It, I mean, even some games that that aren't big games are going to break down. I mean, that three thirty, you've got Texas Tech, West Virginia. You got BYU, Kansas. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Louisville can do. They're they're off to a three and zero start. Maryland, Michigan State's going to be an interesting game with Maryland off to a three and zero start so far. Uh, but here's here's there's three big ones, and we're going to talk about a couple of them right now. Um, and there two of them are in the Pac-12. Colorado plays at Oregon. I still don't know who Colorado is. I don't. And because we we don't know who some of the teams they've beat are. But I'll, I'll say this. I learned a lot about Colorado's mental toughness last weekend. Because they should have lost that game. And they didn't. And when they got pinned inside the two, you're like, man, they're not going to win this game. And Shador Sanders showed me that that kid is ice cold. Man, he just, I mean, he was beat up. You know, all and he just came out and said, hey, let's now Colorado State may not be that good. We don't we don't know yet. But those receivers were pretty good. But what what Colorado State was able to expose last week, Ryan, was what you and I have been saying for a while. 
they have some individually great players, but their roster as a whole still has a lot of concerning areas, offensive line being one and their their defense being the other. And Colorado State exposed that a little bit last week. And so, but we'll, but everybody's just saying, well, Oregon's going to thump them. And I'm like, did you watch Oregon against Texas Tech two weeks ago? Sure. Because they didn't look yeah. like world beaters to me. And that's the whole point. We don't know who these teams are yet. We're going to find out this weekend when when Colorado goes to Oregon. Yeah. Well, I I think Oregon is just a significantly more deep and talented football team than Colorado right now. Because I, I think that we're on the same wavelength of Colorado as in the top shelf talent is very good. It, I mean, Shadur Sanders has played great football. Travis Hunter, although banged up now, is a really good football player. We know we obviously know what Dylan Edwards brings to the Legit table. Legit pass catchers on offense, yep. Ryan. Legit yep. pass catchers. A lot of talents. But Travis Hunter banged up now. We'll see what obviously if he even plays. I don't even know if he's expected to play. They said he's gonna be up. out for a week, a few weeks, yeah. is what they said. Yeah, yeah he's not gonna so, play this week. So you're down one of your top notch guys, which means that you're now starting to work into the depth a little bit more than what you had but been doing previously. I mean, that kid was playing. 110 plus snaps that's it right there though ryan when you lose travis hunter you don't just lose a really good receiver you don't just lose a really good corner you lose two of that and one player getting injured yeah that hurts and i i I think that now that you get into the depth a little bit i think that you're going to see that this colorado team has warts they do i mean colorado state was not a good team last year i mean you're right maybe there'll be a much improved team this year we we don't 100 know that yet but it was still a game where i think that you saw that colorado has a lot of room to to grow here they're not that team yet they're not a team that is going to be contending for a pac-12 championship this year in my opinion oregon i believe is just a deeper football team you know outside of just bo nicks i mean you talk about bucky irving you talk about the wide receivers they have defensively jordan birch on the edge brandon Dorless. like they just have a little bit more depth and more sounds position by position success on a weekly basis. So I think Oregon is going to win this one in pretty decisive fashion. I think Colorado will stick around for a little bit, but I think the depth ultimately wins this one out. I had 38, 13 Oregon wins this one that I think will appear a little bit more lopsided than it actually was. I think that Colorado is going to hang tough in this football game for a little bit, but the Oregon depth is just going to win out in the end. I think losing Travis Hunter on offense shouldn't hurt them a whole lot. We saw that last week. I think losing him on defense is going to be crushing because he he was their by far their best player in the secondary. Brian, I I don't have a prediction for this game. I I I think what if what you say is going to come true, it's going to be because the 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 thing that we've always known was going to be the kryptonite to this Colorado team, if it happened, is yeah. going to be especially true in this game. I think it's a bad matchup because. Oregon, for the most part, can match up with Colorado from a skill standpoint, as you mentioned. But this is a game where they're going to, where Colorado could, if if it's true that I'm correct about their line play on both sides, this is the game that finally gets exposed. Yeah, in my opinion. And if it doesn't get exposed this game, then I'm this is the game where I become a believer in Colorado. If they're not not believer, like oh they're they're not a national championship team because I don't think Oregon is but more of a believer, like, you know, this team's going to turn around a lot faster than I thought it did. Or like, sure. I'm impressed by what they've done to get to 3-0. and But outside of TCU, they should have at least been 2-1, and you know, right now. And I thought, you know, I'm surprised by the TCU game. I'm not necessarily surprised by Nebraska. Nebraska hung with them for a while. They, that mm-hmm. game wasn't as big of a blowout as it looked because Nebraska's offense is just terrible. Colorado State outplayed them. They're showing some toughness, though. That's the thing I like about Colorado, but I just don't think they have the horses in the trenches on either side to play with teams like this, and that's what I think gets exposed. But if it doesn't, then I start to say, you know what? Colorado, 
I'm on, I'm on the bandwagon. I'm just, I, they're better than I thought they were going to be. But now we start getting that stretch of the schedule that we really find out. Oregon this week, I think about it, like USC next week. Yep. Now we're going to find out if they're, if seven on seven tournament, Ryan, this team can play with a lot of people, a lot okay. of people, but football is still a trench game. And that's where I still have major question marks about them. Here's a game that's a polar opposite. UCLA at Utah. This is two of the best trench teams that we've seen in college football so far this year. UCLA obviously is 3-0. and They've been – I mean, Chip Kelly's doing a, a really nice job. They beat yes. teams they're supposed to beat, Ryan, but they've been impressive in doing so is what I would yep. say. But this is a much different test for them going to Utah. Utah, on the other hand, Ryan, also 3-0. and The win over Florida looks a lot better now with Florida – you know, with Florida to Tennessee – they kind of slept walk through a win over Baylor. They didn't look great beating Weber State. You know, I, I don't I'm still not sure if 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 uh Cameron Rising is gonna be back. I haven't seen the updates this week if he's gonna be back yet. We're gonna find out a lot about these two football teams on Saturday when UCLA goes to, to Utah. UCLA jumped in the top 25. Utah is a six-point favorite in this game. The over-under was set at 52 and a half. That's a bit of a high over-under, in my opinion, for this football game. I could see it being a lot lower scoring than that, but you know, Utah, UCLA has seemed to find a little bit of a gem in Dante Moore, but this is going to be his first real test as a starting quarterback. And 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 same thing with their running game, Ryan. I've been really impressed with what UCLA's done on the ground so far this year. Like they've pit, they haven't missed a beat from last year running the football with Carson Steele and and uh, and what they've done up front. But again, Coastal Carolina, San Diego State, and NC Central are not Utah. Right. <laughs> Well, I th- I think the look I I think that Dante Moore is going to be a star at UCLA. I've said that multiple times, and he's played really well for the most part so far in his UCLA career. But Utah is a little bit of a different animal. It is, especially when you're going on the road. I think that this one's going to be a much lower scoring game than people think, especially when you kind of cite that over under in the 50s. I think that this is going to be kind of one where Utah prevails in the end because I think that defensively the combination of Morgan Scully and Kyle Whittingham is going to be able to just make Dante Moore have to think a little bit more than what he has over the last couple of weeks. You know, things were pretty easy for him over the last couple of weeks. He's been playing the best competition in the world. Again, I think he's going to be an absolute star, but I think this might be a game where maybe Dante Moore has a turnover or two. And it's just a little bit of a ugly affair. I feel like, so I don't even have a score prediction necessarily. I just think this is going to be like a four to five point victory yeah. for Utah. It's just going to be one of those grinded like a, out games. Like a 21 like, 17 type of game, Ryan, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah I agree. Maybe like 27, 23, like, you know, something like that, where it's just like not much separation, but the separation is that UCLA maybe turns the football over once or twice, yeah. but Utah just plays a little cleaner. Yep. Agree. I still think Utah has the better defense and that combined with yeah. them being at home to me is going to be the difference in this game. It is. Yep. And, and uh, like Ryan, this, this week for a lot of teams is we're going to find out who you are this week. And this is, this is one for UCLA. They've looked really good in their first three games. Again, Coastal Carolina, San, San Diego state, who's not that great under Brady, Brady Hoke. And then NC central. Now NC central is a good FCS, you know, quality FCS team. I think they're like seven and four last year, but again, it's your UCLA. This is the one where we really learn about this UCLA football team. And same with Utah. I mean, Utah's kind of sleptwalk through their first their last two games without their quarterback. But if you're Utah, you're yeah. thinking, good Lord, we've been able to get through the first three games unscathed without playing Florida and Baylor, without having Cameron rising. You start, start feeling really good about yourself if you're able to get him back at some point in time that you might have a yeah. chance to be a, a really and darn good football team. 
and the Barnes kid at quarterback for Utah has struggled mightily recently, but the Nate Johnson kids actually showed a lot of signs of good stuff. So I think the you're pretty excited about getting Cameron Rising back, but I think that this will actually be really beneficial for Utah long term when Cameron Rising's gone next year, where you're kind of like, oh, Nate Johnson might be the guy next kind of in line. So I think it's actually been good to get a, some of these quarterbacks some more playing time right so now. So real real quick, Ryan. So it just I just saw an article that was published uh, ten minutes ago that said that he is going to play. Cameron Rising is going to play. To your point, however, Nate Johnson has done things in a way as a runner and, and, you know, thrower that I think you can still kind of use, you can still kind of do what you've done, but instead of the Barnes kid, you have Cameron rising, which means you don't have to necessarily throw Cameron rising completely out there and, and take the full boat. You can still kind of mix it up a little bit in these, these couple games and, and allow this Johnson kid to continue to be that yep. change up quarterback until Cameron's, you know, the, he's back and healthy. He, you know, he's got his conditioning back up. He's got his timing back up and all those type mm-hmm. of things. I think that's been a, a big revelation for them so far this year is that, Hey, when Cameron comes back, you don't have to necessarily just g- stop doing what you've been doing. You know, may, right. maybe eventually you will, but this can be a part of what you do, uh, at least until you feel Cameron's back, uh, completely yep. back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. All right, let's go to the big, to me, the really big 330 game because this is not just about 2023. This is, again, this could be a potential seismic game. Number 15 Ole Miss at number 13 Alabama. Yeah. Ole Miss gave Alabama everything they could handle last year, Ryan, at home, but in the end of the day, couldn't get it done. Ole Miss has been an interesting team so far this year, Ryan. I actually like a couple of their wins. 
uh, so far this year. Obviously, they, they beat Tulane. It was a much closer game than the 37-20 score, and Tulane didn't have Michael Pratt in that game. And then they thumped Georgia Tech this past weekend, and, and Georgia Tech's looked okay you know, their first couple games. They battled Louisville in, in the opener. They pounded South Carolina State as they're supposed to. Uh, the thing that surprised me the most has been Ole Miss's inability to run the football outside of the quarterback runs. Quinshot Jumpkins is yet to get to 100 yards. He's averaging like three something a carry. Uh, you know, they've 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 really relied on Jackson Dart. That's fine to do against Louisville. It's fine to do against Tulane, but can you beat Bama that way? That's going to be a big question. And then can Jalen Milrow being back in the lineup give Alabama that emotional spark and playmaking spark uh, to get them back on track? Or do we see the end of the Alabama dynasty? I mean, to me, that's what's at stake this weekend. If Ole Miss goes to Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa and beats Bama, I think that's what we're going to see. I just don't think that's what we're actually going to see this weekend. That's that's my feeling on the game, Ryan. What say you? I'm out on Alabama, man. I'm out on them. I am. I, I I'm not as. It, this is more a. This is more my feeling on Alabama than it is on Ole Miss because I think that Ole Miss is a good football team. I'm not necessarily sold that they're like an incredible football team. Sure. But I think that they do have some. Key component. I actually, th- I think that Jackson Dart has looked a lot better so far this year, mm-hmm. as far as being a little bit more of a sound decision maker. Interceptions and turnovers were kind of his peccadillos last year, of of kind of things that kind of set them back a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I really think that for me too, like that defense, they need to, to find a way to figure it out more consistently because I think there's a lot of g- good players on that defense for Ole Miss. I just think it hasn't been consistent for whatever reason, right? Yeah. And Alabama, like I'm just. I'm just I have so many question marks and it's not just the quarterback position. I I think that the offensive line has struggled. I mean, they've yes. given up five this sacks each of the last two games. I mean, they they have not looked very good. They're not they're not pushing people around either, Ryan, like we thought, like I thought they would. And you want to say we like yeah. bring you into this. I thought they were just going to move people this year up yeah. front and get back to being an old school Bama team and they haven't at all. And, and I I think defensively too. Like I, I just they're missing something defensively as well. They have good players, but like well, that's the one thing we talked about this summer, Ryan. That's why the Kevin yeah. Steele hire was terrible. Yeah. And now they're saying Remember, like Kevin he's Steele not really calling call play. But that weird. says so. Yeah. Like to me, this is what this is. That right there is ultimately what's going on at Bama. They have yeah. no identity. Like who I are they on that. offense? Yeah. Who are they yeah. on defense? It's just a bunch of talented players that you're trying to put it all together. And I, and I never thought we'd see that from an Alabama team under Nick Saban. But yeah. that was the danger that we discussed this offseason was Nick Saban took some major gambles with his coaching hires. Major yes. gambles. And I thought the reason to bring in Tommy Reese is to go back to what, you know, to get yourself back to what Alabama was back in the day. Because why would you bring Tommy Reese in if your goal wasn't to run the football? Because that's the thing that Tommy Reese has done, yeah. right? He's had teams that have run the – his 2020 offense could really run the football. His 2022 offense could really run the football more often than not. And it's like they're out there with Jalen Milrow trying to throw the football. And it's like, what what are you doing? They put Tyler Buckner in at quarterback, and he has two designed runs. It's like, what are you guys doing? It's a monsoon. It's well, you know, it's a monsoon. Weird. It's pouring down rain. This kid's making his first start at Bama, and you're throwing the football. Yeah. You know, it just was one of those things where you're like, you know, felt you like you've. It's, it felt like a movie we had seen before. You know, yes, at at Notre Dame, and the Kevin Steele hire is exactly what I thought it would be. Just he's going to waste a lot of talent, 
and that's what we're seeing. But can Ole Miss be the team that 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 delivers that blow? That 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 I'm not sure of. Because here's the thing, Ryan. For me, is you are correct. Jackson Starters look. Jackson Darts looked a lot better. He is. Uh, th- he's got a QB rating of two hundred two point four five. He's thrown seven touchdowns and one interception. He's completing sixty six point two percent of his passes, and he's got two hundred thirteen rushing yards. He had one hundred thirty six rushing yards against Georgia Tech last week. He ran for thirty six against Mercer, forty one against Tulane. But is Jackson Dart able to carry an offense to victory against Bama? That's a different question. Ole Miss is going to have to get their run game going. If they can, then I think they can beat Bama. I do. I just don't. I just haven't seen anything that tells me that they can. Right. Uh, but if Bama wins this football game, then and then we'll, then we'll get the whole oh they're okay now. Jalen Milrose back. That's why they shouldn't have gone to Tyler Buck. We'll hear all that crap, right? I, I think but if I Alabama think wins this game, there. though, it's kind of ugly. Like I feel like they're winning an ugly game if they do win. Like I, I don't, I, agree. I don't see Alabama like blowing them out. Like I don't yeah. see that necessarily. Yeah. Like I think either I it's a close win for Alabama, or it's a little bit like I predict. Of I think it's going to be like Ole Miss thirty-four, Alabama twenty-seven, where maybe they score a you know, a field goal, a field goal kind of late to try to, you know, yeah. push it to a one score game. And then you're trying to play that game. And it's just, it's a little bit too late at that point. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, man, it, again, this isn't as much about Ole Miss. I am just out on this Alabama yeah. team. They don't have an identity on either side of the football to your point, And I just think that I don't know what they're good at. What are they good at? I don't, I have no idea. What are they, I right, I, I'm going to go one further. What do they want to be good at? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like here's the thing, Ryan. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, hey, we're out here trying to establish something and it's just not working. Right. But I don't even know what they're trying to establish on either side of the ball. Like, who do you want to be? Like, I don't uh, even know what they're trying to do. There's there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. It's a it's, it's a problem. But I just I'm not ready to I'm not ready to write off Nick Saban's uh you sure. know historic career just yet. But this could be the game that kind of starts this because look, I mean, to your point, Ryan, if you lose at home to to Ole Miss. And now Ole Miss is a good football team, but as you mentioned, yeah. th- 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 they haven't really beat anybody yet. If that they if they'd have beat Tulane yeah. 37-20 with Michael Pratt, I'd be like, you know what? That's a, that's a pretty good win. Earth they did. Win, yeah. Yeah. And it was a competitive, it was a much closer game than 37 to 20, in my opinion. But they got to go to Mississippi State next week at our at Texas AM, home against Arkansas, home against Tennessee, home against LSU, at Kentucky, home against Chattanooga at Auburn. I mean, if they're not good enough to beat Ole Miss at home, there's a couple more L's on that schedule, potentially, Ryan. And that's the thing that kind of starts getting a little bit scary if you're an Alabama fan, is yeah. if you lost to Ole Miss at home, it's not a given you're going to beat Texas A&M in a couple weeks. It's not a given you're going to beat LSU, get your rematch against LSU. And by the time you get to the last game of the year and Hugh Freeze has got that team a whole year under his belt, let's not forget Hugh Freeze has a couple wins over Nick Saban. And if that's it, because it's like what I said earlier about, about – um we're talking about like um, you know USC and some of these other teams, Clemson, the SEC. Man, they, they smell blood in the water. There's blood in the water right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they play. Then Ole Miss kind of been known as like the land sharks and all that. In that who Ole Miss has been, right? They were. They were. And there's there's yeah. blood in the water, man. And and can Bama survive it or not? And that's what this this weekend's going to be big, big for question. that. Some very fun uh, evening games too, Ryan. Uh, one and a couple in particular, we'll just briefly mention Arkansas to LSU. Bad, bad loss for Arkansas last week. Really bad yeah. loss for Arkansas last BYU, week. BYU, baby. Yep. yep. And then uh, LSU had a very convincing. I actually predicted, I made two upset predictions last week, went one for one in them, got Florida over Tennessee correct, uh, did not get Mississippi State over LSU. LSU came out in that game from start to finish and dominated Mississippi State. 
Um, now they're gonna they're gonna get a chance to kind of get some momentum back at home against Arkansas. Arkansas has got to figure something out, man. I mean, they, they, yeah. their defense is is really a problem right now uh, in in that particular matchup. Mississippi State is a weird team, by the way, because I feel like they went for like their their identity was Mike Leach centric, and now they're like a running football team, which is just it's like he tried (laughs) too hard to distance himself from Mike Leach. Yes, right. Like I understand you got your way of doing things, but bro, this is you got to look at who your roster is, right? And say, yeah, we may make that transition, but we got to get a couple recruiting classes in here to make that transition. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's strange. It's like. I, I really would love to pick Arkansas to beat LSU be based upon what I saw last year, right? Where it's like if, if Arkansas had competent quarterback play, they win that football game. But I think the losses of Drew Sanders especially have kind of hurt this football team. Bumper Pool as well. I mean, he wasn't an NFL kid, but like he was a really solid inside linebacker in, in the SEC play. So I would pick LSU to win this football game. I don't think it's going to be like this most decisive victory of all time. I think it's going to be like a – 31 21 type of win for LSU. I think LSU does win this football game though, just because I just haven't offensively. I still see a lot of what I like about Arkansas. I think Rocket Sanders is a stud. I KJ Jefferson's a really good college quarterback, but like I just think there's something missing on that team defensively yeah. right now. So I will take LSU to win by 10. The other PM game that I you know there's a couple others that are interesting. One that that uh, we'll, we'll briefly talk about that I think is going to be fascinating is the two teams that nobody wants. No, none of the other power conferences want that are really good football teams this year. Square square off this weekend. Oregon State, number 14, they're 3-0. Uh, they travel to Washington State, 3-0. I got to give you props, Ryan. We both thought Oregon State was going to be really good this year, and they have been. They've done what they needed to do, dominated San Jose State, who's not a bad football team, dominated UC Davis, convincingly beat San Diego State. They're going to be tested this weekend, but Washington State – has looked really good, and you nailed this one in the offseason, Ryan. You said this was your Pac-12 sleeper team. They destroyed yeah. Colorado State on the road 50-24, to and it wasn't that close. Colorado State scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, they, they, the 31-22 win over Wisconsin, Washington State shot themselves in the foot several times with a chance to really blow Wisconsin out. Yes. And then this past weekend against, you know, an, an F, Northern Colorado, they D, they're FCS, right? They're FCS, right? yeah. I know they used to be, I think they used to be D2, 64 to 21. <laughs> and and part of the optimism that you had about this football team, Ryan, was Cameron Ward. And through three games, Cameron Ward has been everything that you thought he was going to be this season, Ryan. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean they had a really nice baseline as a team. It was, can Cameron Ward take that next step to put him to the next level? Because they lost a lot of close football games in 2022. Because that defense is actually pretty good, man. Brennan Jackson at defensive end, Ron Stone at defensive end, Jane Hicks at safety. Like, that's a good defense at Washington State. And I'm going to continue to ride it just because they're the home team this week. I think that Oregon State's going to play a tough football game. I think this one comes down to maybe the last possession or two. Give me Washington State to win this football game, though. I just think that they are a really solid football team, and I'm going to ride my preseason hype of them. I think they're a good football team. I think the only chance Oregon State has is twofold. Number one, they've got to completely make Washington State one-dimensional. Like they, yep. they, Washington hasn't run the fall, run the football much, and and that's, you that's know, not look, it's not who they are. I mean, they're averaging yeah. 130 yards a game, 136 yards a game, and 239 of that came against Northern Colorado, right? right? So that's obviously a, a, a big part of that. But th- at the end of the day, to me, you've got to really make them one-dimensional. And then DJ Uyunglele is going to have to make some big plays in the pass game. Uh, that that have. he's going to have to hit yeah. some big shots because yeah. uh, I think Washington State has a little bit more firepower 
to where they're going to make a couple plays either with Cameron Ward's legs. He's also their leading rusher, you know, or he makes a big play in space. You know, he, he does something where they're going to be able to get some of those chunk plays. DJ is going to have to match that. This is going to be his first big test. I mean, he's just been able to kind of manage games and, and get the ball where it needs to go. He's going to have to make some plays in this game. And we're going to find out if he is truly turned a corner at Oregon state under the Jonathan Smith, or if he's just kind of the same old guy, that's going to do what he needs to do against the bad teams. But when you really need to put, when he needs to put the team on his shoulders, he can't do it. We're going to find out which guy he is on Saturday against yeah. Washington State. I, I tend to lean towards the home teams in games like this, Ryan. When it's really closely contested, I tend to lean towards the home team. Yeah. Uh, they both have excellent defenses, and 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 Oregon State's defense is going to have to be on top of its game this week if they're going to win this football game. Because like if they can force a couple turnovers, that's how I think they they ultimately will have the best chance to win. But then yeah. when those turnovers are forced, DJ's going to have to make plays. He's going to have to make some plays this week. There's no doubt about it. His running another back big stud, game, by the way. Damian Martinez is an absolute stud for yes. Oregon State. The running back, yes, he best running back they've had since Stephen Jackson, in my opinion. In my opinion, so yeah. I mean, I know they've had kids that have had have yards, but no one's been Jamar as good Jefferson as him. Was really yeah. good, and, yeah, but no one that's yeah. been as as like, there's Storm yards, Ryan, Williams, and then there's yeah. like, are you dominant? Right. right. And and that's the thing. Yes, he's been very good. Very, that kid's like six two, two thirty-five, and just like uh yeah, he's yep. tough, man. He's tough. and he's another kid. You you just he's what? He's how big? Six two, two thirty-five, I think. And he's <laughs> averaging eight point eight yards per carry this season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and honestly, when you look back at last year, like they didn't really start feeding him until the middle of the season. I mean, his first yeah. hundred yard that's game was against Washington State last year. Yeah. You know, so that kid ran for 298 or 982 yards last year, Ryan, but he ran for over 100 yards in six of their last seven games. The only game he didn't go for over 100 yards was in the bowl game against Florida because he only carried the ball three times because he was banged well, up. Well, the crazy part about that offense last year is that they had another running back who's still on the roster, Deshaun Fenwick, who's not a bad player. He's also like a 6'2", 230-something pound running back. But then Martinez came in, they're like, oh, that guy's different. <laughs> like, He's had nine different. straight yeah. games of over 100 yards in the regular season. And, and the only game in that stretch that he didn't, as I said, was the bowl game because they only they won 30 to three. <laughs> and he uh, he carried the ball three times for 12 yards. And, you know, kind of to, to your point, Ryan, you know, um, let me just pull it up here real quick. The kid that you're just talking about, Fenwick, you know, Fenwick, yeah. so you lose Martinez in the bowl game against Florida and he steps in and goes for 107 yards. Yeah, Fenwick goes for 107 better. yards. Solid in that game yeah. rushing so yeah. yeah they've got they've got good football boys and that's what dj needed he needed to say hey i don't have to carry the team i don't he's just gonna have to make some plays because otherwise right. they're just gonna say we're just gonna make we're gonna make you beat us and he needs to say okay i can it's a big right back, big backfield man you got 230 plus pounders and then you also have a 250 pound quarterback so you got a yeah. big backfield <laughs> yep all right, Ryan, last game we're going to talk about. This is going to be a very interesting game. First of all, I think it's weird. I'm just saying this right now but real quick. It's weird that we're going to watch a Big 12 game between UCF and Kansas State. I think that's just really weird. I'm still not used to that. A Big 12 game between Oklahoma and Cincinnati this weekend. But the Big 10 is where we're going to go with this last look, Ryan. Yep. You've got, uh, obviously, Texas Baylor's another night game. But the other big night game on top of Notre Dame and Ohio State is another Big 10 game on CBS between number 24, Iowa, and number seven, Penn State. Iowa, to me, Ryan, uh, they're great on defense again. They are very, very good on defense. But their offense just kind of pretty much looks like it always has looked. I mean, scored 41 against a really bad Michigan State team this past weekend, like a really bad. I mean, Michigan State gave up 48 to Syracuse the week before. Uh, at Syracuse, forty-one to ten. Iowa's offense just to me seems like a, they they were able to finally run the ball on Western Michigan, but again, yep. I think that 
if I if I had to guess, I'd say that has as much to do with Western Michigan as it does Iowa. Yeah. Just not being very good. But we're gonna find out this weekend. This is gonna be a big, big test for the Penn State offense. They've looked good so far, but they haven't looked great. Their running sure. game hasn't really been as lights out as I thought it would be this part of the season. Uh Drew Aller's actually put up some really good numbers so far. I think he's got what? Doesn't they have two 300 yard passing games so far he's already? Been, he's been good so far, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only one. Sorry, I thought he had more this past weekend, but um it's going to be interesting to see how they how this game goes. I I anticipate Penn State winning, but I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. But can Iowa's offense do anything to keep them in this game? That's I mean because I could see Penn State scoring 20 points and winning by more than two touchdowns. I mean that's just yeah. That's just the reality of where Iowa's offense is. It's still early on in the season, but I think that this might be the most talented Penn State team that I've seen in X amount of years, man. Like, there's just not really a hole in that team. It obviously, there's a lot of young players that still are on that team. I mean, you have a sophomore quarterback that is still a new starter. You still have the two sophomore running backs. You're still developing as far as the experience aspect in a lot of positions. But man, there's really not there's really not a hole in that all in, in that team in general. I mean, you have a couple of talented receivers, you have a really nice running back room, you have a talented quarterback, you have a good offensive line, you have a good tight end in Theo Johnson. Defensively, you have dudes everywhere, Kalen yeah. King and Abdul Carter and and Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac. Like it is a really good roster. I ultimately, because you know that I am a big pushback against James Franklin. Like I just don't think James yep. Franklin's a great coach. I just don't. But I think in this football game, they are easily the most talented team, yeah. easily, in my opinion. So I think that Iowa's going to keep this one close early and even into the second half. But I think at the end of the day, the, the dudes are going to be dudes. And maybe Singleton breaks off a big run. Maybe Theo Johnson finds some space over the middle of the field. Drowler and Corks a crazy pass down the field. But I think that this one's going to end up, I think my prediction was 31-13 in the end. That's a little, a lot closer than what 31-13 would actually indicate. I just think that at the end of the day, the athletes are going to make more plays on Penn State's side more consistently. So give me them to down the Hawkeyes, which the offense has been slightly better this year. They're averaging 28 points a game. So right now, uh, Brian Ferentz gets his uh, gets his bonus if it ends this way. Yeah, that's but, uh, uh, yeah. that's not gonna that's not gonna keep up. I mean, like the, the they scored 24 against Utah State. They scored 20 against Iowa State. I mean, that 41 against Western Michigan is going to start going down here really, yes. really quickly. Here, here's my only concern for Penn State as far as this game being closer. They have not really run the ball that well. I, I like. I know their uh, yeah. season numbers look good. They're averaging 208 yards a game, but they're averaging 208 yards a game because they went for 315 against Delaware. They yep. ran for 146 against West Virginia, only averaged 4.2 yards per carry. They went for 164 on Illinois, but they needed 100 and they needed 40 carries to get there. And and so to me, when I when I look at that, they just they haven't really been able to get the run game going. And you know, West Virginia basically did exactly did uh, Penn State did against West Virginia exactly how Pitt did against West Virginia. You know, I mean, and and when you look at what they did against um, uh, Illinois, I mean, this is a week after they. They had the worst rushing performance against Illinois so far this season. Toledo went for a buck 86 and 4-4 a carry, and Kansas went for 262 and an average six yards a carry. So when you look at context relative to what they've played, that, that's been the big, big red flag for me. I don't think it's going to hurt them win-loss-wise this week, but it's the one area that's kind of con, con, puzzled me, Ryan, because the talent should be leading them to be much better running the football than they've been so far. And this is going to be a tough week to get that going. If they can get it going this week at all, then Iowa has no chance. But that's the one thing is like this is this could 
if they're able to shut the run game down, puts a little bit more on Drew Aller's shoulders, and this is going to be his first real big test as well. Sure. I just I just think he could turn the ball over three times and it still wouldn't matter just because <laughs> I have no faith in Brian Ferentz getting the getting enough points on the road to beat a team like Penn State. I just I have no faith in him right now. Hey man, he's shooting for that bonus, man. He's shooting for that yeah. bonus. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> Well, Ryan, that's going to do it, man. I know there's some other inter, a lot of interesting games this weekend, um, you know, that we could kind of dive into, but those are the ones that we really wanted to focus on the most this week. So I appreciate y'all being with us, Ryan. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here, man? Yeah. Exciting times, folks. Only a couple of days away from prime time, Notre Dame taking on Ohio state at home, seventh Eastern time on Saturday. It's okay to be excited, folks. It's okay to be excited. If you missed any of our breakdown, Notre Dame versus Ohio state game predictions and key to victory, Make sure to go back and listen to the first section of this podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Make sure to like this video before you get out of here. Subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, if you already, if you don't already. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, of course, subscribe over there as well. Five-star reviews, always very much appreciated. And boards at irishbreakdown.com. If you guys want some exclusive content, whether that's some breakdowns film-wise from Brian, from the team perspective, whether that's some recruiting breakdowns for the yep. film, whether that's recruiting intel for this weekend, because there's going to be a lot of recruiting news to keep up on. Make sure to go to boards at irishbreakdown.com. We'll talk to you again very soon. Appreciate everyone for joining us today on the keys to victory on the Irish Breakdown podcast.